It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah! What it do, baby? Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 730 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, June the 18th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com and uh, Basketball, a podcast with myself and Katie Heindel that you can check out over on the Stringer Labs Podcast Network as well. Check out our Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash basketball with two H's. Uh, please also make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. There is so much great stuff for you to check out on the network right now. Uh, all right, on today's show... We are talking about how the return plans kind of relate to the Raptors and all of this. We've talked about the return plans quite a bit uh, on this podcast, and I'm sure we'll get into some of the broader concerns and stipulations and protocols and all that stuff that we've seen from the NBA over the last few days here. Uh, but to help me sort of view it from a Raptors lens and a whole bunch else, we are joined today by the man who cursed the NBA by joining this podcast in the last episode before things melted down. At least that's what I'm saying. It's our friend from Raptors Republic, Louis Satsman. What's up, buddy? Hey, man, I was wondering which of us would be the first to bring up that the last pod we did was that Utah game. And I didn't even get a chance. You did it in the intro. Yeah. I, hey, man, it's the people know. The people know that your appearance coincided with uh, everything melting down. And uh, it's clearly your fault. Uh, <laughs> it was I also agree. Like, you were also like the last person I saw before things melted down, too, which is weird, uh, considering you've been out to this way exactly one time uh, during the time we've known each other. And it just so happened to be that one time. I'm glad we got that in. Our little uh, lunch date and uh, podcast in my living room. It was great. Um, But of course, things have significantly changed since then. And we are now very much in the... uh, Separate living rooms. Yeah, separate living rooms for sure. Uh, And we are very much in the process of waiting for things to come back and hoping that Florida doesn't become engulfed and become the new global epicenter of the virus, which it seems like it's very much on the on track to become. And uh, I don't know, there's a lot to dig into with this return plan for the NBA. And the Raptors are involved in it, obviously, and they are kind of an outlier in it in a couple of ways in that they'll be headed down very early to uh, Naples, Florida, just five days from now, actually, to go and prepare at the Florida Gulf Coast campus as uh, the quarantine time and multiple quarantine periods, they were to come all back to Toronto and then all the way back to Florida. It would just take up too much time. And there is uh, obviously not much time before all this stuff gets kicked off. Um, Lewis, let's, before we get into some sort of deeper stuff, later on we're going to kind of get into the 35 people the Raptors should bring to Florida with them. We'll have some fun with that, I'm sure. Uh, and we'll kind of get into, uh, you know, just sort of on-court theory and stuff like that. But general thoughts on the NBA's overall plan to return here. I have mentioned many times on this podcast that I'm quite dubious, and I think it's a little bit morally bankrupt to be holding this tournament, but curious where you come down. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the discussion about it has been um, really critical of anybody without offering a ton of positive substance. And so a lot of criticism of Kyrie Irving, for example, um, hasn't made a ton of sense. I mean. He is a vice president of the union. 
he's doing his job talking to union members about what they should be doing, right? Um, but at the same time, a lot of uh, criticism of basketball is uh, doesn't really talk about, um, you know, the repercussions if you don't. Because I agree with you that there is definitely lots of moral bankruptcy. Um, and But if you want to talk about that, you definitely have to, uh, you know, admit that not playing, not finishing the season would have crazy repercussions, you know, for guys whose contracts end. Um, and so it's such a complex issue that treating players, the league, I mean, Florida, uh, as a monolith really doesn't make tons of sense. And, and just to get into it means you got to spend so many hours talking about it. It's, it's almost too complicated for sports writers to even deal with in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've been guilty of sort of being one of those sort of unilateral, this is bad and don't do it people, but there are certainly, and you know, as I think this week has been a lot about just sort of listening and hearing all arguments, there's certainly a lot of nuance and complication to that, obviously. I mean, there are players who make a million dollars who, you know, or two million bucks, whatever the minimum is, who are going to be losing a pretty substantial amount of money. I thought former Raptors fan favorite Ed Davis spoke really eloquently about this in, uh, in his interview with Alex Kennedy from Hoops Hype this week, where he talked about how, you know, playing is actually sort of a way to push forward the Black Lives Matter movement in sort of a grand generational gap, uh, generational wealth gap, you know, closing type of way where these guys who, you know, oftentimes are, are not just earning money for themselves, but they're, you know, supporting people within their families. They have people they're taking care of. They also, in a lot of cases, you know, reinsert that money into their communities. You know, look at LeBron James with the school he opened and things like that. This is stuff that happens all the time with NBA players. And I thought the point that Ed Davis made in specifically pointing out Donovan Mitchell, where he said something along the lines of, look, like if we don't play, there's going to be serious financial ramifications. We have no idea what's going to happen to the salary cap. And then someone like Donovan Mitchell might end up, you know, instead of signing a $160 million deal might sign a $90 million deal. And where's that $7 million, $70 million end up going? You know, that that's $70 million that could have been put to a different use in the hands of Donovan Mitchell, as opposed to in the hands of owners or just not existing at all. So there's certainly a lot of layers to this and, and you know, there, there's no right answer. And I'm just glad that Kyrie Irving has brought this up. And, you know, yeah. I think if Kyrie Irving was any other, any other player who didn't have sort of the reputation that he carries, you know, warranted or not, I think there would be much less sort of backlash to him saying, hey, uh, we should be having this conversation for a lot of reasons. The the social justice aspect of this is extremely important. And I'm glad he's going to at least use his station as a superstar, one of the people who actually wields power to, you know, actually ensure that the NBA is considering this and listening and hearing its players. And hopefully, you know, you can be cynical about it if you want and, you know, be skeptical of the NBA's commitment to it. But um, hopefully they're listening to Kyrie Irving, who's speaking on behalf of a lot of guys here, and they will actually sort of lean into what he's saying and really sort of implement some real vehicles for change when the bubble does sort of pop up and they're able to use the platform. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I mean, I'm not criticizing you. In our conversations, you've rarely treated, you know, big groups as monoliths. But I mean, the, the Kyrie Irving has spoken about it very intelligently. Um, and people making fun of him for that is insane, but also Dwight Howard. I mean, Dwight Howard put out a release that was really clever, like really, um, big picture thinking and explained things in a way that people needed to hear. So a lot of players have used their, their voices in ways that may not have been expected, but positive ones. 
And the nice thing about all of this is it seems as though the NBA is saying, hey, we respect your decision if you don't want to come play. Yeah. We're not going to punish you for it. And I think exactly. that is a super important thing to have because not everybody's agendas or motivations here are going to be the same. And that's fine. And I think viewing it as a black and white thing is uh, pretty misguided because everybody has their own a way they go about you know, taking part in their activism. Some of them are feet on the ground at a march leading the show. Some of them are you know, do it from behind the scenes with your financial might and you know, or in view that the the platform of the playing in the league and you know having all the attention and eyeballs on you was going to be effective for that so um no wrong answers here everyone just uh, please shut up and listen and uh stop yeah. doing kendrick perkinsy things more than anything um <laughs> what do you think by the way about about the idea that there's no no real punishment beyond one of 92 you know your game salary for skipping do you think players will do you think many raptors for example would do it and if they did would there be a huge backlash from teammates or fans I would hope that so with the Raptors, I'm not entirely sure how to answer that because I don't know what each player's individual motivations are, right? Like, you know, in theory, you know, the family guys like, you know, Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, maybe they'd be more sort of against the idea of, you know, isolating away for seven weeks without family. Um, and that'd be totally understandable and justifiable. You know, someone like Pascal Siakam, who's kind of on his own, I mean, you know, maybe he's got his brothers to consider though. So who, who the hell knows? It's, it's tough, right? Like we'd have no idea what the real sort of motivations are. I would yeah. hope I'm not, I'm a little bit cynical and, and think that maybe we'll see some of that really dumb discourse. Like, Oh, this guy's quitting on his team, but I would hope that considering all the conversation that's gone on and considering how understanding it seems most of the people involved in this are of the issues at hand. I would hope that there's not some, Oh, look at this guy letting the team down, you know, Dwight Howard or Avery Bradley sitting out. I can't believe they're holding LeBron James back from winning another title. I don't. Yeah. Like I, we might see that from like the stupid people that you shouldn't be listening to. I would hope that the people who are kind of with it would would sort of realize, hey, like that's a totally respectable and understandable decision on the part of Dwight or Avery Bradley or whoever wants to sit out. Um, and like, I just think you have to sort of calibrate your brain to think this is not going to be a normal tournament. This is not going to be a normal champion, and that's fine especially if guys are sitting out like it's just there's always going to be a little bit less legitimacy to it than a regular playoffs and if you can condition yourself to be okay with that then I think you can be okay with guys sitting out yeah and I wonder though in writing you know guys who so Zach Lowe for example obviously I'm not but I, I really doubt that he would criticize guys for that but you wonder if in three or four years writing about this champion you know maybe there's an outbreak in the in the good team hotel and a team from the second tier like the Philadelphia Sixers faces really decimated teams in the playoffs you know yeah. you wonder how that writing will be years from now how people would talk about it say Avery Bradley and Dwight don't play maybe people don't say they hold LeBron back from a championship now but four years from now do people talk about that it's just so there's so many variables anyway yeah. uh, I'm really throwing us off track here that's okay man it's a it's a really interesting conversation man it's it's there's just a lot to it and so many layers that there's no one clear hard and fast answer aside from the fact that uh the, the fact that the conversation is happening is objectively good and necessary and yeah. probably a little bit overdue frankly considering yeah. this far along in the planning stages um we're gonna get into sort of raptor specific stuff in just a sec here lewis but first i want to tell people about rock auto i am a car moron i don't know how cars work i have to go to my fiance's dad's house to get the air conditioner coolant refilled in the car because i don't know how to do it myself i can't even really follow a youtube video on how to do it it's embarrassing really but I find myself at ease when I'm using rockauto.com to search for auto parts. Rockauto.com 
is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. I am telling you as someone who knows nothing about cars, the catalog is so easy. You can find your car, the exact year, the exact model, and the all the parts that were most used on that car that you can then pick up for very good prices. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, rockauto.com is always reliably low on price and same for and it's the exact same that is for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same auto parts, especially considering mechanics and parts stores often use rockauto.com's catalog to find the parts and then they just charge you more. It's ridiculous. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on. And there, how did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, Lewis. So as it pertains to the Raptors, I kind of wanted to have a little fun with this exercise. One of the rules and the many, many rules about no doubles and ping pong and no pets and no, uh, which by the way, I hope Norm Powell can bring his dogs in some way because <laughs> Apollo and Odin rule. Um, you know, there's, you can't share, you got to throw out your card decks. You can't share headsets for video games. Among all these rules is the limiting of traveling parties to 35 for each team. Typically teams will run about 50 up to 60 people. I think the uh, Utah Jazz, when they got stuck in Oklahoma City, had 58 people in their traveling party. Like that's a pretty big operation between social people and PR staff and, you know, obviously players and medical staff and all that stuff. 35 is a bit of a restrictive number, but it makes sense, obviously, if you're trying to limit the total numbers. Um, you know, you could have also limited numbers by getting rid of the Wizards and Suns, but that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> what I want to do today, Lewis, is let's go through the Raptors organization and pick the 35 people you would like to send. There were obviously people who were there for serious reasons, but there might also be people who we send for like comfort reasons and things like that to make it more of a normal and fun and enjoyable environment for the players and for the people watching. Um, so let's begin, shall we? Wait, 35 including players or 35 excluding? This is including players as okay. traveling party. Okay, yeah. so, so do you say 17 or 15 then for players? This is the interesting question to me. So the NBA Among has you. allowed that 17 players are able to come here and get a 17-man roster. This means two ways can be converted. This means if you have an open roster spot, you could sign somebody in theory. You know, there's been talk about, you know, Iman Shumpert, I think, is out there. There's J.R. Smith, C.J. Miles, some guys who are available. Um, Bridge J. Lynn back. 
Yeah. Hey, sure. Why not? I, Michael Beasley. Come on. Uh, <laughs> some, something like that. Something fun. Um, so 17 players is the number. My first question on this, Lewis, is do you bring all 17 players if you're the Raptors? Because there's a couple of arguments. You know, obviously, if you have these guys, they are, uh, you know, I guess backup in case somebody gets injured or gets sick and has to miss time or gets booted out of the, out of the bubble entirely. At the same time, there's a lot of support staff that are going to be pretty important here, and I'm curious how you sort of weigh it all. So I guess the, big, the biggest chunk of this is obviously players. Do you give 15, 17, 16? How many players do you think the Raptors should ultimately bring? Yeah, I think from a competitive advantage, anything a player offers you has to be above you know, what the 20th most important staff member. Like Obviously, if it's between Nick Nurse or even you know, Alex McKechnie or Scott McCullough, like, you take those guys over the 16th, 17th player, but it's not those guys you're comparing. Like it's not even assistant coaches like Jim San, you know, you're talking about something like, you know, a second physiotherapist or something. And I think bringing along a guy like O'Shea, who the the Raptors see as a long team piece and there's value in having him not just, you know, for the social aspect for the players, not just for the actual on-court product in this weird bubble tournament, but also for future on-court products. So I, I would say, yeah, 17 for sure players. I think so too. Cause you, you just have no idea what the risks are in terms of losing players. I mean, you know, we talk about the idea of, you know, a team losing a guy here and there. I mean, we don't know, like I feel it's more likely that a, an entire team would be afflicted by an outbreak more so than just like one player dotted around on a various teams. And so maybe you're sitting there with like, Oh, four guys can't play for the next two weeks. Like, Oh, good Jeez. thing. We have Dewan Hernandez here. That's handy. Yeah. Um, and so I'm with you. I think 17 is the number. I should also note that in the rules, uh, there are two, uh, guarantees who have to be there there needs to be a head of security which seems interesting to me considering there's not like fans to ward off or anything like that but that means john atilia i'm assuming is the one who will be there uh, as security and then there has to be an equipment manager which is paul elliott so those guys will be there as well for sure that brings us to 19 coaches is an interesting one because there's all sorts of different coaches there's video coaches there's developmental coaches there's you know full-on assistance it's tricky I'm curious, you know, we got Nick Nurse with Adrian Griffin, Sergio Scariello, Nate Bjorker, Patrick Matumbo, Jim Sand, John Goodwillie, and Brittany Donaldson as the official assistant coaches. You've got Jamal McGlore as basketball development consultant. You've got John Carbaclo as or Carbaccio, sorry, as the head video coordinator and assistant coach. You've got Tyler Marsh, Fab Flournoy, uh, Mark Tyndale as uh, coordinators and player development coaches. And then you get on down to the medical staff. How deep do you think this coaching staff needs to be? This is such a weird question, and none of these answers are going to make any sense because this is unprecedented. We have no idea what the best way to go about it is. But if you're thinking about sort of how the team operates, what coaches would you bring? What sort of skills? And, uh, you know, we, again, we only know so much about what each coach brings behind the scenes, but just in your gut, who do you bring among the coaches? Okay. Uh, so I think obviously Nick Nurse must have, right? That's yes. not even a conversation. That's 20. Um, so I think any coach that's involved in pregame warmup, because for players that's so important. And uh, I mean, you and I are both at the games. We know from watching before the games all the time, these players use the same coach every time. And it's not the same coach for every player. They all have this very set specific ritualistic warmup guys like, you know, Jim San, Jamal McGlure. I think you have to have them for that very reason, because they really do help players. Whereas guys like, say, a video coordinator, who's still a coach, uh, can do his job over the phone, can do his job over the computer a little more easily. 
you know, not that anybody can do fully their job without being there, but I would be more willing to cut the video staff, the analytics mm-hmm. staff than I'd be to cut any of the coaches. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think, unfortunately, the video folks, it's just too easy to imagine a world where they can do their work from an office. and just Get those nerds send, out of here. Yeah, send their video <laughs> thoughts and, uh, you know, like over Zoom, right? Like just like Zoom video sessions. I kind of like the idea of screen sharing like a whiteboard and drawing up plays yeah. and stuff like that. That seems fun. Um, so, yeah, I think the video coaches are probably out. When you get to Jamal McGlore, that's interesting. So, okay, we'll throw Jamal McGlore in with the group of other coaches who are officially listed as assistants, whereas McGlore is a basketball development consultant. Yeah, not a coach. So, but you've got Griffin, Scariolo, Bjorkren, Matumbo, San, Goodwillie, Donaldson, and McGlore. That's eight. Are eight assistant coaches joining Nick Nurse? Because that feels a tad excessive almost if you're trying and, to keep it to 35. And the thing about it is if you are cutting anyone – I mean, Griffin and Scariolo and, and Bjorkren, those guys don't actually do the on-court work with guys. I don't think so mm-hmm. before games, but they're not, Nick Nurse would not cut them. Yeah, they seem like locks to me. They're the, they're the front yeah. row assistants. I think they're pretty much guaranteed. Bjorkren especially. Like, that's Nurse's – those two are bonded, right? Mm-hmm. They've been together for so long. Mm-hmm. I would say after that, I think – Brittany Donaldson's important because she does work on on the court with the players and also yeah. is sort of more of the basket of the player development side of things. And so I think that's important to have someone of that ilk there as to, to be part of the crew. So I think Donaldson's in for me. And so is probably Patrick McTumbo, um, which brings me up to five assistants. And then it's like San Goodwillie and McGlore. And like, to be totally honest, I don't know. None of us know exactly what each coach contributes behind the scenes. Jim Sand could be the, the, the genius behind the box and one for all we know. Like we, we don't know. And so it's like, again, a very silly exercise. And most of these exercises for the fun stuff later on, uh, we just yeah. got to figure out how many fun <laughs> spots we're working with. Uh, first. Um, I think I'm probably going Griffin, Scariolo, Bjorkren, Matumbo, Donaldson as my four, five assistant, yeah, five assistant coaches. And that's probably it. But I don't know. That's where, fair. Where do you I mean, I, I would I would argue with you about San. Silly argument. Let's take the five and move on. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, all right. So now we're up to. Sorry, I got to do math here. Because twenty five. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Twenty five. Cool. Um, so yeah, we have ten spots left to work with. This is interesting too because we get to the medical staff next, which I think is going to be incredibly important for a lot of reasons in the uh, yeah. pandemic-ridden zone. So not just because of. Yeah, not just McKechnie because of viruses and, and stuff. Locks, right? Yeah, they're, they're for sure. And McKechnie and McCullough, I think, are guaranteed. Um, and then you, there's eight staff in the medical directory right now looking at the Raptors list here. Um, you got McKechnie, Scott McCullough, John Lee, Ray Chow, Giovanni Sardella, who's an assistant trainer. Um, you've got Amanda uh, Joaquim, who's a physiotherapist. You've got Dr. Paul Marks, who's the team medical director and orthopedic surgeon. And you have Dr. Howard Petroff, who's the assistant team medical director. Um, I mean, again... We don't have the back the background. We can't say, oh, this guy is the equivalent to Kyle Lowry of the medical staff. So this is kind of guesswork. But um, we're looking at eight medical staffers. Do you bring all eight to bring it up to 33? Do you keep a couple off? Because you figure health is going to be, you know, not just because of the virus here, but because of, you know, the ramp up and the potential for soft tissue injuries and things like that. Health is going to be of extreme importance and of extreme focus. I just, I'm not really sure how to sort of uh, come up with the number here that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think you need the strength and conditioning coach because you're playing more games than usual. Guys are coming up. Without that coach, you're really risking injury, I think. 
Yeah. And like Johnny Lee is pretty like prominent in all of this as well. So I think he's for yeah. sure. In. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, maybe a massage. I, I, I don't know. Like what well, if, so two guaranteed that's 22. So there are three guaranteed that's 23. 20, um, 27, 28. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. We're yeah. yeah. Uh, now I'm getting lost. 28. <laughs> um, I think you probably have space for one or one or two other medical staff, maybe a, a slight bit more, but you got to cut some. Mm-hmm. I would say you probably end up bringing like, I don't know who exactly it'll be between the physiotherapist, the surgeon, whatever, but six seems like kind of the right number to me. Six. It gets you up to 31. You have massage therapists, you have, you know, physiotherapists. You're like, again, this is all, we need to get to the fun stuff. Um, but uh, like six feels right. Cause I think you want to have a pretty robust medical staff there because there are going to be a lot of medical yeah. concerns to keep in mind. Six. Um, love it. Yeah. Okay. So we got six. So we got McKechnie, McCullough, Lee plus three, whoever uh, that brings us to 31. Now we get to have some fun. There are four spots remaining. Do you send the entire open gym crew? Do you send just <laughs> Matt Tierney to do tweets? Do you send the Raptor? Uh, a PR person I feel like is probably going to be there. I would imagine that'll be uh, Jen Quinn. Yeah, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll throw down JQ as a guarantee. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Um, so we've got three spots left to play with. Who are the three that you include here for whatever reason, Lewis? Okay. So I've been thinking about this because you said we were going to do this. So I think Shelby Weaver is, mm. is absolutely one. Um, she has a really close relationship with a lot, of, a lot of the players. You see her in the locker room a lot with, you know, for example, Fred Jr. Um, they have a good relationship. I think Shelby Weaver is a big part of like the, the family environment in the team. Um, also manager of player development. So, you know, matters for the on-court product. It's not just like a, an emotional product, certainly also um, on the, the play side as well. So I think Shelby Weaver would help a lot. Um, I think you probably want one scout right. because there's a lot of scouting that can't be done on TV. You have to right. be there. TV. And then for the one fun one, I think maybe the Raptor, like is, is there much chance for, for mascots to be on camera? This is like my biggest concern with the entire bubble is where do the mascots fit in? Because this is important. This is it important is. to bring normalcy. I'm hoping, as I talked about on a basketball today with Katie Heindel, uh, I'm hoping that there's maybe some situation where we get to see the mascots hold up at, at Robin Lopez's estate on Disney. Um, that would be and fun. Just turn that into like an animal house, literally, with mascots. Um, <laughs> I, I think that would be cool. I, I think the Raptor has to be there. Like, you need 
in, in this like very serious environment where there's going to be no fans and no fun really and everyone's kind of miserable you have to have some levity and i think the raptor offers that especially if other teams are able to send theirs maybe like mascots should just be excluded from all this and mascots are just their own traveling party and you get 30 of them and then boom that's your own traveling party maybe that's irresponsible like that. i'm not sure how viruses hold on uh, plush costumes i'm not sure how sanitary they are but I think it's important to have mascots. Maybe this is my dumb mascot brain thinking about this, but I think we really need to have King Cake Baby lurking around to just kind of, <laughs> like, it's sort of an accent to how stupid it all is. It's like putting salt into food. It kind of brings out the other flavors. Like, if you put the mascots in this situation, it's just going to kind of add some vibrancy to the whole thing that is, uh, I think, very much needed and also will sort of highlight the absurdity of it all. Yeah, I, I think... If you start paring it down so much that there's no fun involved, like if you just have the games, no fans, no mascots, no noise, no, because you can't have the trash talk because there's too much cursing. Like it just, you end up with something that people who are only massive nerds like you and me want to watch. You know, like Mm -hmm. not a ton of people watch the basketball for the plays. You know, a lot of people are there for the, external stuff and i barely watch for the plays i watch for the mascots more than anything else <laughs> ah you're a liar you do both mm, yeah uh, i can balance but, both things i suppose <laughs> but i mean I, I agree with you without the mascot what are you really doing here i guess the question here is if we've gotten to 35 with the raptor and i agree shelby weaver um especially for like the mental health of players to have sort of a familiar face who is sort of part of that familial vibe i think will be yeah. very important um and because the raptor is not negotiable for me we we are now stuck with advanced scout or we haven't even considered front office people messiah ujiri bobby oh Webster. my god yeah Did this we is get a big one messiah and bobby well here's the thing is i don't like maybe you like dole out scouting to one of your assistant coaches or something and they are your advanced scout to go and you know, pick good, up reads yeah. and stuff and maybe you send you know you send uh, whoever it is patrick matumbo to go and just like scout the the because they can do that yeah, for sure. And honestly, I'm curious like how much easier it would be with no fans in the stands to scout from home. That's kind of not something we'll know until we see it in, in practice, I suppose. But um, Because like, look, the, the front office people don't technically need to be there. You know, we've all seen Moneyball. Billy Bean doesn't need to be with the team all the time. But Masai, though, Masai like, has a big part of encouraging. Like, he's in the locker yes. room talking to them before and after games. Yes. I also think, too, if you are the NBA and you're trying to use this playoffs as a platform to further the black lives matter movement besides an important voice to have in the bubble just in whatever capacity yeah maybe you can have him zoom in on on, you know halftime shows and stuff but it's more important i think to have him there in person you gotta have messiah yeah so i'm cutting the advanced scout i'm putting okay we're cutting pat engelbrecht and putting in messiah Uh, I was going to go down the list to, uh, you know, one of the sort of uh, fringe scouts. Like, uh, let's give Kevin Gamble his uh, <laughs> his It gets his time a little more fringe than him, I think. Dev, I honestly, there, there's so many people who work for a basketball team. It's staggering looking at this list right now. Um, but yeah. You're looking at a list? Yeah, I'm looking at the Raptors. I'm kidding. We're both looking at the oh, list. Okay. I don't know all this. I, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I think it's important to have Masai there for morale, for to you know to, yeah. to mingle, to be part of the Black Lives Matter messaging that I would really hope is going to be a big part of whatever is going on down there. Um, so we're cutting Webster and Tolzman, right? And, and like Teresa Ratch and their guys. Yeah, unfortunately, I think we kind of have to. I think that you can only really have one front office person if you're going to have you know because even if you take out one medical person, you'd probably replace that with an advanced scout. You know what I mean? Like it's. It, <sighs> 
it's tough. We're, so we're bringing Shelby Weaver, not Bobby Webster. I think we're, we would be the only two people in the world that might make that argument. Yeah, but I mean, I think anyone who kind of is in there with the team, you know, Bobby Webster is the guy who assembles the team. Sure. I don't think Bobby Webster is necessarily, you know, interacting with the players on a day-to-day basis the way Shelby Weaver does. And I think that's a really important thing to have that, again, that sort of comfort and that familiar face who Love it. You know, ties you back to, you know, some, nor- some normalcy. Um, I, maybe I'm too Billy Bean poisoned into thinking of Brad Pitt being like, I don't need to be with the team. I can't be friends with them. Uh, <laughs> like maybe that's it. But I, I think the, uh, the Shelby Weaver one that I, you know, I frankly had not even considered before you mentioned her, but it seems to make a lot of sense. Obviously this requires all these people to want to go to the bubble. Um, that's the other thing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> let's point that out as well. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's just an interesting question. So I'm glad we were able to do this exercise because there is uh there's a lot of uncertainty with all this, man. Do you have any uh, parting shots on this, on the bubble, on the Raptors rolling it, what, rap- what the Raptors are going to do in Naples, Florida for the next little while as they chill? Um, any sort of parting shots before we let you go? Yeah, I, actually, I want like a short conversation. I was hoping for this. Sure. Short. So I was thinking about this. Actually, I, I wrote a piece that went up today about how the Raptors, you know, will have a competitive advantage when they go back for all these different reasons. That's not what I want to talk about. But what I mean is when the games go on, you know, we'll be analyzing whether the Raptors will win, whether they won't, why they win, et cetera. Normal day-to-day writing stuff. Mm-hmm. When the game is on, when you're watching the Raptors, say in this, when the Celtics series finally happens, game three, Raptors win, they're up 2-1, let's pretend. Are you fully invested in it? Is this, are you 100% there like you would be any other year? That's really tough because I think it's going to have to require sort of seeing it first, right? I think I'm going to be more detached than normal just because it's not going to be, I wrote about this like last month, like this is not going to be NBA basketball. This is going to be some sort of Husk League where, yeah, Yeah. like it's fun you get the same players or maybe you don't, maybe some players sit out and then... You just kind of like, I really think the crowd element is important. I also think the community element's important. And the fact that we're able to watch last year, I mean, I wasn't at the finals covering it. So I was able to watch those finals games like in a bar with my friends and, you know, party in the streets afterwards. And I think that was such an important part of the enjoyment of it all. You know, having my family, like my parents become diehard Raptors fans over the course of it. And maybe that happens, you know, when they're in the bubble, but you're not going to get to celebrate with them and be part of it. You know, Zoom calls talking about this shit too, right? So I think. It's like I'm going to as as much as I think the idea is scary and there's lots of holes in it and I think there's a good chance that Florida just kind of lets this thing spiral out of control to the point that it's just untenable to even if it do already it. hasn't happened exactly like you know I as much as I'm very critical of the whole idea of the return I'm also pretty self-aware enough to say I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to watch every second of it that I can because you yeah. know I like basketball and I'm happy it's and it's also work right so. I will be invested. I don't think it'll be to the same degree because again, it doesn't really feel like the championship that you're competing for. You're competing for something resembling the championship. And it depends, I guess, on which players show up and which players don't, and which players test positive and don't, or if there are, you know, if that's sort of a storyline throughout. Um, but yeah, it is, I, I, I've kind of always thought, and this also applies to the extracurricular stuff, right? The mascotting, the, the halftime shows, the, the dumb in between, league pass things that you get to watch when instead of commercials like all that stuff is what comprises nba basketball yeah and a lot of those things are going to be missing and it's just going to kind of be i think the novelty of seeing 
hey, look at it. It's fun. There's no, there's no crowd. We get to hear them talk loud. Uh, isn't that fun? I feel like that novelty is going to wear off right quick. And it's going to be a matter of, is the basketball itself compelling enough to, to hold the attention and, and get you invested? And I'm still skeptical of that. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I know I'm a hypocrite because I criticize it for a lot of the same reasons you do. I bet we're in a lot of agreement. We haven't talked about that too much, but I mean, we literally know, agreed on 35 people. So yeah, we agree on things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of criticism that this plan deserves, you know, a lot of good things that it's smart. Clearly it's been done with a medical expert, you know, uh, on the watch, but, but I can criticize it at the same time, you know, when Fred hits that, hits that corner three to go up two points in the fourth and, and say the Milwaukee Bucks call a timeout. Like, I don't know if it'll be different for me. I feel Mm -hmm. like that moment will be the same moment for me as it has been. Um, yeah. Which makes me a hypocrite because I'm criticizing it and saying, you know, it's not the same, but it's just basketball still basketball. And I may not be, I'm, I can, um, I can logically think it's a bad thing and still emotionally, I doubt that I can hold myself away from it. Yeah. I mean, I was talking about this with our pal Blake Murphy yesterday and like, I think any of the lingering and this is dumped that it has lingered anyway, but the whole, Oh, my league is more is better than your league because it's progressive and stuff like that shit goes out the window as soon as this bubble tournament starts. And it has always been dumb because the NBA has its own checkered history of this type of thing. And their you know, their, their commitment to activism and whatnot. But you know, Blake was like, yeah, I mean, I'm a wrestling fan and I like 2000s punk pop bands despite their lyrics. So I kind of, you know, some people I think who are fans of more, outwardly bad leagues like the nfl and things like that even too like you can separate the two you can say this is bad but also i'm entertained by the players i'm tuning in for and kind of compartmentalize and understand the the powers that be are nefarious but the players themselves have very little to do with that and so i can enjoy their work as well and i think yeah like with all of these things yeah like with all of these things that we talked about off the top it's very complex and layered (laughs) and there is no right or wrong answer to any of it um the right answer though is that you kick ass uh (laughs) very happy you're able to come on the show today buddy uh do you have anything you'd like to promote promote god no i haven't done anything worth (laughs) doing since this whole thing started uh man no it's been a pleasure masterful work bringing us full circle by the way don't think i didn't notice how you ended up where we started great job hey and yeah yeah, thank you always a pleasure i'm a professional of course uh and so are you you do great work at lewis zatzman on twitter i'm sure you'll have some stuff ramping up soon hopefully uh, because i like to read your stuff it's very good uh (laughs) so get on it go to work uh i'm kidding relax and eat cheetos if you want um no no go to work is what i need uh, I am going to uh, tell people to listen to uh, Basketball, the podcast I do with Katie Heidel. It's great. It's fun. We had a new episode drop, or will be dropping today sometime. This might be up before that, but who knows the order in which you are listening to them. Uh, please subscribe to our Patreon page over there at patreon.com slash basketball with two H's. And that is going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please uh, go tell your smart speaker to play Locked On there's so many choices 150 or so choices why don't you go listen today to locked on fantasy baseball as baseball is apparently coming back so you want to get ready for those shortened abbreviated season fantasy seasons baby uh with scott cullen go check that out right meow all right that's gonna do it we will talk to you again on friday i think or maybe monday we'll see with another episode of locked on raptors Prime members, 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.